Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Joe Berlinger has been making documentaries for almost two decades, along with his directing partner, Bruce Sanofsky. Their first film, Brothers Keeper, about a murder among brothers who were struggling dairy farmers in upstate New York, won the Sundance Film Festival in 1992. Their most recent film is also about murder. Paradise Lost Three Purgatory is the third film in a series of documentaries about a crime that took place 18 years ago. Three eight-year-old boys were murdered in rural Arkansas, and three teenagers were charged with the crime, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly. The prosecution painted the teens who wore black, listened to heavy metal, and read Stephen King novels as Satan worshippers participating in ritualistic killings. When Berlinger went down to investigate, he found very little physical evidence. What he did find was a modern-day witch hunt. At a press conference, Inspector Gary Gitchell said the case against the accused teens is very strong. You know, one to ten, how solid do the case is? Eleven. <laughs> That's an excerpt from Berlinger's first film about the case. His films brought a lot of attention to what was happening in Arkansas. Just last August, after 18 years in prison, Eccles, Baldwin, and Ms. Kelly were released. This probably wouldn't have happened without Berlinger's films and support from celebrities like Johnny Depp, Eddie Vedder, and others who raised millions to fund appeals regarding DNA evidence. The fact that the three were ultimately released surprised no one more than Berlinger. When he first went down to Arkansas, he expected to find something very different. We went down thinking we were going to be making a film about guilty teenagers because we didn't know at the time just how irresponsible the local press was in covering the story. And this was right around the time of the Jamie Bolger case in the U.K., about a year and a half before that. A 10-year-old kid had lured a younger kid out into the railroad tracks in Liverpool and and just beat him to Mm -hmm. death. And so we thought there was an emerging trend of youth violence. And so we went down thinking we were going to make a real-life River's Edge. And we got down there, and one plus one was not equaling two. When did that occur to you? 
Um, you know, I, I can't say immediately uh, because it took about three months to negotiate access into their holding cells prior to the trial. But once I met, once Bruce and I met uh, Damien, and in particular, we just felt like this was not, you know, out of a one out of ten in the film, he says it's an 11, it was like a minus one. And you started to base that thinking on conversations with the defendants themselves or evidence and discussions with their attorneys as well? All of the above. You know, you look at Jason Baldwin, a 16-year-old scrawny kid with, you know, arms that are couldn't be capable of the crime that was committed. He just oozed credibility. Damien Eccles, I mean, even though he was his own worst enemy in some ways because he kind of enjoyed the attention and was, you know, a little narcissistic about the whole thing, it just didn't make sense, you know. And when you start looking at the forensic evidence, I mean, here you have allegedly a crime by three teens who are not professional killers who brought, according to the prosecutor, three little boys out into the woods and slaughtered them to death in this savage beating, and yet there was no blood found at the crime scene. And then you look at the confession, and the confession is riddled with inconsistencies mm-hmm. and problems. And so, coaching. And, and coaching. Um, so within months, we knew that something was amiss. I found that Eccles came across as a very unsympathetic person at times, and as you mentioned the word narcissism, he never seemed to really suffer. Were there times that you were convinced that Eccles really was genuine, that he suffered off camera? You never really showed him. Not that I needed him to break down and cry. But. Yeah, no, that's interesting, you know, because some people view Eccles that way, and some people view Eccles very differently, very sympathetically. I mean, a lot of people, you know, the amazing thing about this story. I think he's ultimately sympathetic because he's yeah. innocent, but yeah. I mean, I'm just saying his demeanor as a character. Yeah, film. no, I mean, I think he didn't do himself any favors when he took the stand. You know, I, he, In what way? Well, I think he kind of enjoyed the attention, and as he explained to us in a subsequent film, you know, he just never imagined that he would be convicted for these rumors and ghost stories. He just believed that it would be made right. I mean, the interesting thing for me is just this worldwide explosion that these films created, and it was people both famous and not famous, regular people and people like Johnny Depp who all said, like, you know what, that guy could be me. I dressed a little different. Yeah. I acted a little differently. Yeah, I was the other. I was the other. And, and in the right circumstances, I could have been that guy. And so I think he did evoke a lot of sympathetic feelings from people. Now, at the culmination of this long two-decade process during which you made three films, these men walked out of prison for time served in exchange for copying this plea. What was yeah, it? Yeah, the state of Arkansas let them out under what's called an Alford plea. It's a rarely used legal maneuver. It's incredibly bizarre. Uh, It's disheartening that this was the resolution. You know, on the one hand, of course, we're all delighted these guys are out of prison. But not exonerated. But not exonerated. And that's the problem. The Alfred plea is where you profess your innocence, but for legal purposes, you plead guilty to lesser charges. So the charges were reduced from capital murder, which is the death penalty or life without parole, to first-degree murder, and because they had spent 18 years in prison, they were were sentenced to time served. Also, there's a suspended sentence hanging over their heads that if they ever violate a crime, they will have to serve more time for these murders. Are you planning on a fourth movie? Uh, you know, we people keep asking that, and I, you know, we 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 made these three movies as acts of advocacy. A fourth movie feels like we would be kind of milking it, you know, and I'm not sure I want to go down that road. I honestly don't agree with you. Really? To me, the last chapter of this is, what did wrongful conviction and wrongful incarceration do to them? Life for them freezes there as a young man, and their body keeps aging, but you wonder what kind of development they have. Then you release them out into the world, and, I mean, God knows the state of Arkansas had 
the, the least generous uh, public defender approach toward this case. Was there counsel public defender at first? Well, some of them were public defenders and some of them wanted to take the case on, but they did not get the kind of representation that you would expect. I mean, it's in fact, one of the great tragedies and what people should focus on with this story is that it has taken 18 years, millions and millions of dollars provided by people like Peter Jackson and Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam and Johnny Depp. Uh, three Natalie Maines. Natalie Maines, three very ex- relatively expensive documentaries from HBO. I mean, there's something wrong with our legal system where this is what it takes to get somebody out of prison, and why don't they have that kind of defense right from the get-go? You know, maybe there is a four, a paradise lost four, if we want to exonerate these guys, because the Alford plea, it's deeply disturbing. You have three guys who were wrongfully convicted, spent their entire adult life up till now in prison for a crime they didn't commit, and the state of Arkansas is making them plead guilty mm. so that, A, they won't be sued for wrongful <clears throat> conviction. Exactly. So they're not going to get any compensation. Exactly. And, B, that means the state of Arkansas is not looking for the real killers. I mean, the people of the state of Arkansas should be disgusted. And what, you know, just how slowly the wheels of justice grind forward. The simplest things like this DNA action, you know, in 2001, Arkansas passed a DNA statute which allows you to go test new evidence. And they argued for several years whether they could even do the testing. And then the state wanted a particular crime lab. I mean, literally for six years, it took to get these DNA results out. However, when it came time to craft this Alford plea, when they were fearing the HBO broadcast and when they were fearing this evidentiary hearing that was coming up in December, literally in six or seven days, they are two weeks, something like that. They banged out this this Alfred plea. So, you know, when it's in their interest, they can make it happen pretty damn quickly. Why didn't you abandon it after the first that's film? A, what made you come back? That's a great question. I w- both Bruce and I were just absolutely tortured at the idea these guys were still rotting in prison. And, you know, the case was 93, 94, but the movie didn't come out until 96. Those guys had been in prison already for four years. It just haunted us, you know. On the other hand, going back and revisiting, this is a depressing story. I feel like I lost, like, my fatherly innocence by covering this story. And what I mean by that is, you know, my first kid was born while we were editing this film. And I would be sitting, you know, at the editing bay looking at the most horrific autopsy photos and crime scene footage. You know, I would go home at night after having these images, like, emblazoned on your brain, and I would drop the you know the door of the crib and pick up my new infant who was just arrived a few months ago and holding my child and thinking about these 8-year-olds and thinking about the gross autopsy footage that I had looked at I mean it was just an emotionally draining experience making these films and so it was a very considered decision to go back and to do it a second time and a third time and you know during the second film I had my second kid I mean, your life's going on and theirs isn't uh, I mean it just tortured me but, you but know also, like every hallmark that my child would go through you know kindergarten middle school high school I'd think my god these guys are still rotting in prison I just felt we had a you know, we had a moral obligation to keep telling the story. But was there ever a moment where you and your principal staff, your 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 real cadre of people you did this film with, where even in your mind you just raised a glass to each other and said, "We got these guys out of prison." Oh yeah, we 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 did some pretty hard partying. <laughs> <laughs> we did some pretty hard partying in Toronto and really felt good about about what we. You did. must you feel know? amazing. No, it's look, you know. 
We're filmmakers. We made films. We're paid to make films. We deserve some credit. The people who really deserve the credit are the tens of thousands of people, both regular and the Johnny Depps, who have given as you know big sums of money or little sums of money, who selflessly have advocated for decades for their release. Laurie Davis knew nothing about this crime or this case, saw the movie, and she was a living in Brooklyn as an architect, just couldn't get it out of her mind, started writing to Damien, went to visit Damien, fell in love, married him. And, you know, they've been married for 14 years. Most of that time, obviously, he's been on death row, and she has been a tireless advocate for his release. I mean, she's a big reason he's out of prison. That must be so bizarre. I Um, I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine either because they really... You know, look, she's a wonderful person. It's just one of those bizarre things you could never, like, you know, script. I'm Alec Baldwin. More from my conversation with Joe Berlinger is coming up in a minute. You're listening to Here's the Thing. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You had said there's a quote I had from you where you said there's a fine line between being a storyteller and being a manipulator. Where in this film or in any of the three films involved with this did you feel that you did a little manipulation? Uh, um, I believe the audience should be treated like a jury. You give them the information and you weigh both sides and you let them come to their own conclusion. But with each passing film, we felt like we were moving away from 
pure storytelling and more and more into advocacy. And we certainly wanted to get people riled up about this. So, you know, I'm not sure we are manipulating people, but we clearly have a point of view that there is a there is a huge uh Injustice that needed to be, you know, it's interesting. The first film, you know, a good 20% of the people who walked away from the original film thought that they were guilty. And we let both sides have their say. And I think there's just been a progression towards, you know, more overt advocacy, which is kind of in conflict with my overall filmmaking philosophy, which is to treat the audience member like a jury member and let them make the decision about the events they're seeing. Now, where did all your career begin? You, you were in advertising originally? Uh, I had a brief stint at the very beginning of my career working in advertising. And actually, I was a language major in college and, and spoke fluent German. But I worked in the Frankfurt, Germany office of Ogilvy and Mather. That's when I got the film bug, you know, because I started producing. Why? I started producing television commercials there. And I, the first time I walked on a film set and saw cameras and lights and action, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then what happened? And so I came back to New York with Ogilvy and was on an American Express campaign as a producer. And we hired these guys called the Maisel Brothers, who did mm-hmm. Gimme Shelter and Grey Gardens. And, <laughs> and uh, we hired them to do uh, some television commercials, to do some unscripted documentary-style TV commercials. And David Maisel's- Who were they for? Amex? For American Express. And what were those commercials like? It's actually a campaign that I think ended up not airing. It was kind of an experiment. I'll bet. But, uh, no, they did a lot of commercials, actually. That, and yeah, quite good I can't ones, imagine. But, but docu- you know, kind of documentary-style. Anyway, I kind of hit it off with David Mazels. He's the brother who passed away quite a few years ago. Right. They were looking for somebody to market their services to Madison Avenue, and I was looking to get into the film business, and now I was a guy who had a couple of years of Madison Avenue. And so just over lunch, we kind of cooked up the idea, okay, let me come work for you. I'll get you more commercial business. And this, Did you? And Oh, I got them a lot of commercial How business. How long were you with them? Did that for about five years. So it was a couple. What of, did you learn from them? The act of faith of making a film about real life as it's unfolding, which sounds like, well, what's the big deal? But, you know, I mean, the idea of capturing human drama in all its ambiguous glory as it unfolds before the camera is, first of all, an incredible way to make a film. And secondly, to have faith. And I think we take that cinema verite movement a little bit for for granted today. I think people are better actors today than they ever were 40 years ago. This is where reality shows are are awful because they are not unscripted. It's like right. it's like the staged predation in nature documentaries. They get these people all wound up and then they throw them in the room together. Mm. But where you can get unvarnished and, and real verite insights into people, it's often only, I find, where those those stakes are, are that high, like at a courtroom. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, it's it's the last Serengeti, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 you know, our dirty little secret. No coincidence that many of the films I've worked on are about uh, legal cases. You know, the, the first big feature doc that Bruce and I did was Brothers Keeper. Just tell people we, about Brothers Keeper. Brothers Keeper was the story of four brothers who lived in a shack and lived in a way that people might have lived like 200 years ago, no running water, and uh, a little more eccentric than how people might have lived 200 years ago. Where were they located? Central New York State. And uh, we had, you know, read in the New York Times that this guy had been arrested for this murder. He allegedly, you know, suffocated his bedmate brother, another, you know, these guys were in their late 60s, and 
Uh, the state police had uh, gotten a confession out of him. Uh, the local community, however, felt he was innocent, that he was semi-literate, semi-retarded. And this incredible display, this old-fashioned Americana display of support ensued. So the local equivalent of Eddie Vedder and Natalie Mann. Exactly. What's amazing, obviously, the polarity of it, I mean, I'd love you to comment on this, yeah. where you've witnessed the worst of self-aggrandizing and self-serving human behavior, especially from public officials. Yeah. And then you've seen the best of people coming to the yeah. aid of their fellow men. I mean, I, I, I used those words exactly, you know, when I was talking about this film up in Toronto where the film premiered. I, I have seen not just the dichotomy between Brothers Keeper and Paradise Lost, where in Brothers Keeper, the town assumed the best of their citizens and came to their defense in Paradise Lost. They assumed the worst and, you know, it became a witch hunt. So when you look at your biography, Brothers Keeper and three versions of Paradise Lost and other documentary films you've done are peppered in between a lot of other disparate kind of work you've done in television with uh, Oprah Winfrey specials and uh, the Iconoclasts for uh, – that's for uh, – Sundance Channel. Sundance. We love, we love Iconoclasts. <clears throat> and Blair Witch 2, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's something we like to forget about Blair Witch 2. <laughs> well, well, well know, tell us about Blair Witch 2. Um, well, my whole idea was to make fun of the whole idea. Right. And – Everyone was excited about the movie. We thought it was funny and scary and, and clever. And literally at the 12th hour, a new marketing person was hired. They, you know, decided that the movie needed to be scarier and to have, you know, more blood. And even though the, the whole point of the scares in the original Blair Witch was that there were no— It was all psychological. It was, it was all psychological. And I kept saying, why do you want to show these things? And so they literally recut the movie and reshot some pieces and— the movie that was released bears very little resemblance to the movie I shot. And that's that, incredible. And that's been my one and only experience making a Hollywood movie. And I guess you could say that's why I make documentaries. Where, but do you find where I'm the, where I, you, know, you know what? It's I, I'd love another opportunity to do a feature at some point. But, you know, I'm just used to being the author of my own work, being totally in control. You know, obvi obviously you have people you report to and people you collaborate with. We're but, all working for somebody. You know, but – you know, I just find the creative freedom of what I do, and I mix it up. You know, I do TV commercials and television so, series. So that's how you do the one for them, one for me kind of switch. Commercials. Commercials. Yes, commercials. My bread and butter are TV commercials and kind of web content, and I, I always have uh, a few things uh, cooking. Um, Some commercials. A couple of commercials, a couple of TV gotta shows. Got to pay the bills, gotta, then gotta, get back yeah, out my there daughter, and cover my, another trial for my, nine years. Exactly. My daughter, uh, you know, my daughter's going to college next year, so I got I to gotta start paying for that. So You're like Atticus Finch with a camera <laughs> exactly. and a lab set. Oh, I like that. Can I use that? No, don't, <laughs> because then you're going to have to set up an 800 number for all your requests for people. <laughs> talking with Joe Berlinger about his film, Paradise Lost 3, Purgatory. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing.
You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 